Welcome to the Pure Desire Podcast, helping you take back your life from unwanted sexual behavior and betrayal trauma. What is up? I am your host, Trevor Windsor, and you're listening to episode 302 of the Pure Desire Podcast. Here joining me as always is my co-host, Nick Stumbo. Remember who you are. Oh, All right. You don't know this. Okay. So uh, that's from Black Panther. Correct. That is the Queen Mother, and I believe is the like most overdone line in both of the movies. Uh, have you seen the newest one? Uh, yeah. Okay. Did you like the newest one? Uh, it was okay. Yeah. I didn't didn't particularly grab me, but it's entertaining. Um, my least favorite part of the movie was um. Spoiler alert, by the way, if you haven't seen Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, which if you haven't, it's fine. It's been out like six months at this point. Yeah, so I mean, like that's on you if you wanted to see it and didn't. Um, it's also on Disney Plus, which costs like seven dollars. So you could just do that. Anyways, um, no more judgment there. But uh, when Shuri and Namor are fighting, and then the mom shows up, I think that movie would have been so much better if Shuri just would have killed him. I think that that's you could have brought him back. The multiverse is a thing. But that was my least favorite part of the movie. It's like we had to have that arbitrary, like the mom calling out identity and remind, I don't know. That wasn't my favorite part. I like your intro because yeah. of where we're going, but I just, <laughs> I don't know. I felt like I needed to share that. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sorry that impacted you so much. I, I think there is in the American hero genre, there is the need for the hero to always be in the end uh, gracious or to have room for, to mm. leave room for redemption, yeah. which is often what makes movies so interesting because the bad guy is often given a chance to come back again and again and again. Um, but I think that's interesting the way I think in our human consciousness of like this, this ideal that, that good people should in the end extend grace, even to people that don't deserve it, you know, and asking that question, like, where do we come from? Where does yeah. that come from? And yeah. of course I would say that that's the thumbprint of God on us and as yeah. his creation that we just, I think intuitively feel like don't repay evil for evil. That yeah. if you can, if you can spare, if you can redeem, that that's that's what you should try to do. Yeah. Well, not that that has anything to do with today's not episode, a, particularly. Not but. a thing. <laughs> um, well, maybe a little bit, but not a lot. Um, okay, so we had Heather Kolb, our content manager, on again, and we um, this is going back like all the way, like way, way, way back to episode fifteen. We did an episode on personal promises. And so we're circling back to that. And today we're looking at how do we develop personal promises? Yeah. Did we do that first one with Dr. Ted or who was the guest? Oh, man. Do you recall? Look, you know, it's like five while years you talk, ago now. I can, so yeah, I can look while you're, yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the intro, remember who you are, I think is what we're really discussing today. Mm-hmm. That, that in life, when you start to get under this battle that we have with unwanted behaviors, whether it's pornography or food, gambling, drugs, alcohol, workaholism, Mm -hmm. shopping, like whatever kind of is our thing that we run to, we understand or we come to realize that underneath it, what's driving the behavior are these lies that we listen to about our value, worth, and identity. And so because we don't have healthy ways to deal with those lies or, or what we believe, we run to things that provide an artificial sense of relief, um, or in a false way, make us feel what we think we need to feel. You know, as I've shared in my story that if, if I feel worthless, pornography gives the illusion mm-hmm. of worth, value, and desirability. Yeah. So when you unpack that, well, then you kind of ask the question, well, how do I replace these messages? How do I address the lies that I listen to? And more importantly, how do I hear truth about who I am? Yeah. And so 
yeah. that in the moment when there is a battle going on, like in Black Panther, <laughs> when there's a battle going on and things are against me and it maybe even feels like I'm losing, what do I need to remember who I am, the truth of who God says I am, and that it's not just quoting a verse, although it might be quoting a verse, but that there's some depth of experience to why that verse for me is God's truth about who I am. And so we unpack it in this episode. Um, if you've heard of personal promises before and haven't totally understood it, you've gone through it maybe in your Seven Pillars book or other Pure Desire resource, and like, I don't really grasp yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I think today's conversation will help you move further down the road towards really embracing your personal promises. Yeah. Also, just deep cut, it was Brian Roberts that we did that episode wow, with. That's, that was that's long, going old school. That's going Ted's old school. Son. Yep, that's right. Uh, okay, before um, we get to it, um, and you brought up seven pillars already, and I know that these are, um, the personal promises are part of the recovery journey and they're so important. And, and that's, I mean, the reason why we're even having an episode. And two of the resources that I know that these get fleshed out in or that these are important in are seven pillars of freedom and unraveled. And so there are two resources Seven Pillars of Freedom for Men and Unraveled for Women. Um, so let's just talk about those two groups, the experiences that people will go through in a Pure Desire Recovery group. Yeah, yeah. Two workbooks with the same purpose or outcome mm -hmm. of lasting freedom and transformation, but one route for men, one route for women. Yeah. Seven Pillars being written by Dr. Ted Roberts and Harry Flanagan, mm -hmm. Four Men Addressed to Men and Unraveled being written by our team of women of Heather Kolb and Ashley Jameson and Anna Phillipson. And, and so men encouraging men, women mm -hmm. for women. But if you've never been in one of those groups and you're wondering like, well, how is this any different than all the other stuff I've tried or I've had a counselor? What, what does this really do for me? Uh, I think a lot of what we talk about is what I would say about those workbooks. It's going to take you into your story and into your whole story and not just look at, you know, the bad behavior and where did it start, but going deeper than that of, looking at where did your sense of identity come from? What are the lies that trauma implanted in your thinking along the way? And how has that impacted the way you make decisions? And as we expose those, then how do we learn new healthy rhythms that become that new normal yeah. and transform us yeah. for a lifetime of good? And when we start to talk that way, you realize, wow, that that's probably going to be a process. <laughs> that's not going to happen easily, mm -hmm. like in a group, you know, one or two meetings. Like that probably has a lot of dimensions to it, a lot of layers. And I would say, yes. And that's why these yeah. groups are not short. They're an eight or nine month experience, but it is over the course of those months that you're learning new truths and more importantly, living them out in a way that becomes sustainable yeah. for the long haul. And so if, if you've been listening to the podcast or you're maybe tuning in for the first time and you've been on the fence about, ah, do I really need group? Mm -hmm. And, or I don't think my struggle is that big of a deal. I've told people all the time, if you can use your struggle, even if to you it's minute, if you can use it as an excuse to get into one of these groups, yeah. the the insights you're going to get about your story and what life could look like for you mm -hmm. is going to be worth it. And so uh, if I can give you that encouragement, go for it, yeah. do it. It's more than you expect. And the, the outcome, I think, is better than you believe. And uh, we'd love to have you walk through one of those groups. Absolutely. So if you are a man looking to join a seven pillars group, just go to puredesire.org slash, uh, excuse me, slash seven, the word seven dash pillars, seven dash pillars. And then if you're a woman wanting to go through unravel, just puredesire.org slash unraveled. Okay. Subscribe to the podcast. And I know I say it all the time, but it means a lot. I'm, we're at, I mean, on iTunes, we're at 497. I'd like to see more. Uh, also give us a rating review. Uh, also watch this full episode up on YouTube if you'd like. 
You just search Pure Desire Ministries, and then you can follow us on social media at Pure Desire PDMI on all the platforms. And with that, here's our conversation with Heather Kolb on developing personal promises. All right, Heather, welcome back. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me back for this topic. Yeah, you were just explaining that you're not super excited about this topic because when we talk about personal promises, we talk about things that mean a lot to us. And you said you might shed your one tear for the month. So uh, anyways, <laughs> people who don't know Heather. <clears throat> okay, so some people know you're my aunt. I've known you a long time. You, um, and if that's like blowing people, I just want to pause for a second. If that's blowing someone's <laughs> mind, you're welcome, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you said that growing up all the time. Like you hurt my feeling, mm-hmm. like specifically singular one feeling. So she, Nick, she's been saying that for decades. <laughs> I've heard you tell the story before. <laughs> Not like that you have it. <laughs> Wow. Uh, pretty Can we much. Start over? Have. Okay. So uh, today. We've, we've done this over 300 times, Trevor. We've had Heather on a on, lot. Moving on. I've heard the story. <laughs> today, <laughs> we're, I just that brought that on myself. Uh, today, we're revisiting a topic that we have talked about at length, um, but it was back in episode 15, which that was uh, many, many moons back. ago. Um, and so we're talking about personal promises. Sometimes they are affectionately, that's the word I would use referred to as prophetic promises. That's how Dr. Ted originally referred to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so depending on whatever l- language you're most comfortable with, either works for us, personal or prophetic promises. Um, so we're going to be looking um, at this. And just for the conversation today, we will be using the language personal promise. Um, so let's just establish this up front for maybe people who are new to this. This is a tool that we use um, in our resources. But what is a personal promise? So I remember the first time that I ever heard this from Dr. Ted at a conference where he was explaining this to the audience. And basically he said that this is a time where we encounter God, that it is an experience that we have with God through the Holy Spirit, where God is saying something to us Mm -hmm. personally about us and really about the way that he sees us. So it's definitely tied to our identity and and really the way we use it, which we'll talk about more, but it's kind of all of these things that are wrapped up in this experience Mm -hmm. with God. Does that make sense? So I'm just gonna stop with that for right now. No, it's good. Yeah. I think sometimes when we hear the word promise, we think of it like uh, a gift or something God has promised to give us, something someone else will give us. So I, I do wanna unpack that word a little bit, that we're not speaking of promise like something coming down the road, but more, an assurance, um, mm-hmm. maybe a, a certainty of of who we are. Um, I always, you know, go into those those words of our value, worth, and identity is particularly what's what's at stake. And what we've talked about so much on podcasts on the flip side of the voice mm-hmm. of shame, the voice of the enemy, the voice of trauma, the the voice of just lies, deception. What the enemy tries to tell us always goes back to those core issues of our mm-hmm. value, worth, and identity. And so, a personal promise, personal, obviously, it's to us, but that promise of God speaking into those areas, a guarantee, an assurance, something we can rest in, this is who I am. And so that sort of a promise of his presence and his goodness and the value he sees of us, not just like a future thing that he's promised to give us in eternity. So it's it's very um, present, it's very here and now in terms of who we are, but typically associated with, as Heather was saying, an experience that we've had in our past, something that we can look back on and Mm -hmm. remember a situation, a moment, an encounter, um, and we've we will talk in this episode that those those encounters with God that we remember can be as varied as 
you know, night and night and day. It just right. there's mm-hmm. there's no particular thing we're talking about, but just an instance where we'd say there was something about that moment that that felt very real in terms of my relationship with God. And then looking into that moment to say, what does that communicate about who I am before Christ, how God sees me? And yeah. that's what um, that's what we're going to unpack today. Yeah. The only other thing I would add is just my my a way of understanding it is it's a biblical truth that's either fused with a personal experience or reinforced by a personal experience. Um, and just to give an example, so you know maybe people might be struggling with it already. Is I remember, uh, and I've told this story before, but I was at a Young Life camp and a lot of non-believers from another country were there for the camp. They had just heard about sin. They had just heard the gospel and we were asked to go outside and reflect um, and just sit out. This was at Washington Family Ranch. It's beautiful, you know, out there. We go out and we're all sitting down. We're supposed to be quiet for 15 minutes. And literally right as people were walking out, sheet lightning is happening up in the sky. And if you've ever seen sheet lightning, it's beautiful. It's kind of scary, but also this kind of glorious thing. And I remember in that moment, hearing the words of the Lord in Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you? And so for me, it was seeing God's power on display. That was reinforcing a truth that I knew to be true from scripture, that God is powerful and he did create, you know, the world and the entire universe. So that's just a, a brief example, maybe for someone. Mm-hmm. Um, so cool. for me, I can look back to your point. I can look back on that and remind and remind myself. Okay, I experienced God's power and His Majesty in that moment, and I know it's supported by Scripture. Mm-hmm. So, how would we recommend someone uses personal promises? What role do they play in the recovery and healing journey? So, I really like this question, and I think Nick, you kind of touched on this already, but the way that it's always been explained was that our personal promises are something that that we end up using as kind of a weapon or a defense against the enemy, because all of those experiences that we had in the past that probably created like a negative self-perception or a negative core belief about ourselves, when we experience this encounter with God and, and this personal promise that he gives us that really is about who we are in Christ, it's about our identity, that then we can use that when the enemy is picking on us or when we're going through hard because we all have hard our entire lives, right? But that we can use those to empower us Mm -hmm. to fight back and to tell the enemy, you know what, this is not who I am. This is not, you know, this is not what I believe about myself because God says, this is who I am. This is, you know what I mean? So it really is, if you use it like, and, and it does take practice, I think, but it can be a very empowering, you know, powerful way that mm-hmm. we take hold of who we are in Christ, yeah. who God says we are mm-hmm. specifically that he created us to be, you know, and yeah. I have have found it very useful yeah. in my life. And I'll share some examples later, but yeah. yeah. I, it just, what came to mind for me was just, it's a way to battle the lies that we hear. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear in scripture that Satan is the father of lies. You think of Ephesians uh, six, the fiery darts that are are coming our direction. And, uh, you know, there's some authors that have talked about this, that one of the primary, at least in America, one of the primary ways that Satan um, does spiritual warfare is through lies, is through making us um, believe things. It's And it's Genesis 3 all over again, right? It's just tweaking the truth to make us believe a lie about ourselves or about the Lord. And so it's, there are it's something you can go back to even at a daily point, right? And it could be sometimes like an hourly thing that it's a truth that you can go back to to battle those lies. 
Um, and, and really in that sense, they're an anchor of truth. And that's the way I would, that's, so you're battling lies with an anchor of truth you can go back to because it's been reinforced, you know, that one time or multiple times, you know, over your lifetime. Yeah. To me, it's the clearest example of how we live out Romans 12 too, mm-hmm. that talks about being transformed, lasting change, living in a new way, being a new person, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, not by behaving differently not just by making different choices, but that renewing of the mind. And I think many of us have known that verse for ages and haven't really mm-hmm. thought about, well, how does that actually happen? And what, what needs to be renewed? And I think that's what you guys are hitting on is that there are so many lies we've learned to listen to that have become almost like the elevator music of our life, the subconscious thought processes we go through yep. that we have inherently um, kind of embraced some of them. Like, yeah, I'm just, I'm in the way, I'm shameful, I'm worthless, I'll never be good enough. Yep. And, and we've talked about in a lot of your sessions, Heather, at events we do, that the way those lies are often in the limbic part of our brain, meaning they've, be, uh, they've been associated in our past because of how they came through trauma or something painful we went through. The lie came in a time where our brain was learning and saying, I need to protect myself. I need to be safe. So in order to be safe, I need to not ever get into that experience again. And then attached to that experience is some kind of lie about our value, worth, or identity. And, and why I bring that up is because we don't have to consciously rehearse those old memories to be listening to that lie. Right. That's, that's part of how our limbic brain works is because it's the survival brain, our brain just holds onto it there and, and helps us never forget so that we stay safe. Yep. But unfortunately, sin and Satan hijack that system of the brain that God created for our safety and actually uses it to keep us from the thriving life that God has for us. So going back to Romans 12 too then, if we're going to be transformed in our life, we have to not only address what those old lies are, where they come from, what those painful experiences are, but then have positive experiences with God and others that have communicated mm-hmm. new truths, and that's what we're, we're, what we're renewing. Um, so when, when we put all that together, I just think we see the power that this isn't just a nice thing. Mm-hmm. It's not just a good tool to have in your back pocket. It's really crucial to the lasting change that we talk about and why this is more than behavior management, because you are directly replacing lies that for many of us we've lived with for decades uh, with God's truth. And that will only happen if we're routinely coming back mm-hmm. to that truth and rehearsing it um, in, in an extent and, and to a degree that then can overcome or overwrite those negative lies that have been written there from our past. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so looking at um, developing personal promises, what makes a personal promise effective or not effective? So this is an interesting question because most of my experience has been where they have been very effective, but um, but sometimes the way they come about can be different and unique. Even mine have been all kind of different. Um, one time... And I'll just share one of my experiences that one time, and this was when I was a young adult where, um, you know, where you used to have phones that were in your house that had a landline. So something curly cord. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So I was in my (laughs) mid twenties and, and when I was younger, I had been diagnosed with a chronic disease. And so I always have to take medication and I always have to have labs. And so I'm getting ready to go out the door to Bible study and the phone rings. And I knew that I shouldn't have answered the phone, but I answered the phone. And it was my doctor's office saying, you know what, your labs this last time, they were really bad. You're showing signs of 
liver and kidney damage. We need you mm-hmm. to come back in. You know, we need mm-hmm. to make an appointment. And it was all of this urgency. And I really didn't have time to deal with that because I was going somewhere. But um, but it really was this moment where I was just devastated, you know, because when you're in your mid-20s, you never imagine that you're ever going to get news like that, yeah. you know, and then what does this look like for the future? And so anyway, I go to Bible study and my mind is just, you know, running, running, yeah. right. It's just in, and it's in this space that I don't know if I've ever actually been before. And so I'm kind of like zoning and somebody is reading scripture in Philippians and it gets to Philippians 1.6 mm. and it just breaks me. Mm. I mean, it breaks me, but at the same time, I feel just this peace and yeah. this warmth, like my body just got hot. And it was the one, the scripture that says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And in that moment, I felt God saying, you know what? I got you. Mm. I got you. I know what's coming for you and Mm -hmm. I got you. And I think that that, um, that's probably the only time that I ever had such a close experience that this thing happened a half an hour before and God was just right there to meet me exactly where I was at and to reassure me that, that he has a plan, you know, that he knows what this is doing to me, but yet he has a different plan for my life. Mm -hmm. And so if you could even imagine having this, you know, this conflict in your own brain saying, okay, these horrible things are happening and God stepping in right there and saying, it's going to be okay. I got you. Mm -hmm. And so that was probably, I think that that was probably my first um, experience where I actually encountered God in such an amazing way. It's cool. Yeah. 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 Awesome story. And I I think you you brought up in your example, several of the things that I would say, and, and to maybe start with what makes a, a personal promise not effective, if it's just a verse. If we just, oh, I love this verse, like for you, Heather, if it was just mm-hmm. Philippians 1, 6, I mean, that's a great verse. But if, if it was only a verse that you read once and, and you, so you've remembered it, right. that's not nearly as powerful as what you attach it to as a story, mm-hmm. a memory, an experience, and then something that added that personal level of this wasn't just a verse from the Bible. God was speaking it to me, and in his voice, I heard something about who I am mm-hmm. that made it a lot more powerful. And so it's it's not just a favorite verse. It's a memory. It's an experience, an encounter. And another thing I, I think that keeps it from being effective, if we just did it one time in group, we wrote it down and maybe forgot even what it was um, and then moved on, it, it really is calling it to mind. It, it's, I think, a very biblical ideal there of meditation. You know, mm-hmm. for some people, it's like, well, what do I meditate on? I say, well, we'll meditate on those experiences where God was real to you. God was speaking something real to you that was personal, that it attached to his word. And calling that to mind is, is a very mm-hmm. significant form of transformation, of renewing the mind. And so if, if we wrote it down once and can't even remember what they are, that's, that's very ineffective. Yeah. It's, it's that calling yeah. to mind, entering back into the emotion that makes them effective. And, and I would just add this here too. I, I think for many people, when we start talking about personal promises and we're using this phrase, an encounter with God, some people's initial gut reaction is just, well, I've, I've never encountered God, mm-hmm. especially if they grew up in a, a you know, non-charismatic and maybe a more mm-hmm. traditional, like, you know, we just, we hear the preaching of the word and we go home and we, we do our best to live good lives. This yeah. idea of like an experience with God can feel kind of otherworldly or that's just for some people. Uh, so to kind of demystify that, I, I think what, what I've said to a lot of people is just to look at your life 
over the whole span and just try to think when were there moments that maybe I've never thought of it this way, but I would just say, I knew God was in that moment. There was something about it that felt real, that felt personal. And that doesn't mean you heard a voice from heaven or saw a handwriting on the wall yeah. or um, you know, maybe some of the more dramatic things that have been depicted in movies or that happened to like Jesus and the apostles. I mean, maybe if we're looking for that, yeah, we'd say, I haven't, en- I haven't encountered God. But I find even non-believers will have experiences where they say, yeah, I, I don't know how else to explain that. I think maybe that was you know, a higher power or something was there in that moment. Um, and I, that's right. I would say then when something comes to mind, trust that the Holy Spirit is maybe bringing mm-hmm. that memory and look into it and say, boy, where, what about that felt personal? What about that do I remember and maybe have some emotion connected to? And yeah. I think you'll surprise yourself that there are more moments in your life where you would say God was in that uh, than you realize. And, and mm-hmm. then just kind of fleshing those out and remembering the what and the why and the who and the how um, really starts to make it an effective personal promise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it, it's not effective if you compare to other people or if it's not personal to you. I mean, if, if it's something like, oh, I like yours, I'll take that. It's like, no, that's not the way it works. Like you don't have that same experience. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that's what really makes it is if you can find something that actually personally happened to you and then make sure like, because I've, I've got some I want to share during the episode, but even sitting here watching you have talk through that and get emotional. I'm like, dang it, I'm not going to get emotional. <laughs> mine, mine doesn't, must not mean enough. Like it's easy to get caught into that comparison thing, but don't do that. I think that that's a really easy way to make the personal promise, not an effective thing for you. So for the the listener that feels like, man, I've, I've never gone through this process, or maybe it came up in group and they didn't really understand it, so they didn't do the homework that week, um, what does it look like to develop a personal promise? What might that process be for someone? Well, and even like you had said, Nick, that sometimes people, because I've heard that at conferences too, where people will say, I don't think I've ever had an experience like that. I don't think I've ever encountered God. And it is really, you could look back and see these different times where you actually felt God's presence or you knew that God was in that experience, and which I think is a great place to start. I also know that um, that when, for me, when I've had these encounters with, with God, they are speaking to something that, that is about my identity, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. when, I was, um, when I was diagnosed with this chronic disease and because I was super young to be diagnosed with this, then there was a part in, in my thought process that, that told me that I'm damaged, that mm, I am yeah. never going to be enough, right. that I'm broken from the inside out mm-hmm. and there's no cure and this is, this is my life. Yeah. And so when I've had these encounters with God, they're speaking to that message that I believe about myself, that I'll never be enough, that I'm damaged goods. And so I think that that's also another way that you can even identify or even think back through your life and and say, when have I had an experience that told me something opposite of what I believe about myself, where maybe I didn't necessarily feel God in that moment, but maybe it was while listening to a worship song, that Mm -hmm. it touched on something that really struck a chord with you, even if you didn't know what it meant, but just something that goes back to that identity. Because a lot of mine, even though they have different circumstances, they go back to that same negative core belief mm-hmm. that I believe about myself because it's almost like God is saying, here, yeah. see yourself the way that I see you yeah. in that moment, which I think can be, can be helpful. Yeah. I think as you were sharing that 
the Lord created us with the left brain, right brain, and created us to understand and process information and, you know, have logic, but then also to have emotions and experiences. And I think that the Lord can speak to you through experiences with your emotions that Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, you know, there are times uh, like Graves to Gardens is a song by Elevation Worship. Every single time I listen to that song, I get emotional. There are very few times that, you know, I get emotional throughout the day because I'm a seven and I hate emotions. So I run for them. But it's like, that's something that I know that there's something there. And it's interesting, as we've been talking already, like a new one literally just came to mind. And um, I was thinking about this, like how to develop it. Like I, this was, uh, let's see, late 2020. Um, I realized I wanted to go back to seminary and some, the, the Lord opened up some doors um, for me to do that. My wife was on board, everything. And I remember sitting at our table in Sandy, Oregon with dinner with my family and I said that I wanted to go back to school. And I remember my oldest, Brady, saying um, that he wanted a backyard. And we had this small, like, there was no backyard. It was just a bunch of, it was like a little bit of dirt and like a porch. You guys have been there. You know what it was like. But um, I remember in that moment being absolutely crushed. Like, buddy, we're going to make a financial decision for daddy to go back to school. And it's going to be at, you know, at basically the cost of your dream of having this big backyard. Within four, three or four months, um, we had friends randomly out of the blue reach out saying, hey, we have this property that no one's, and you guys have both been to this property, seven acres. We want you to pay exactly the same amount you're paying now for your duplex in Sandy. Why don't you come out here? And we're just like, are you joking me? Like, what was interesting is we talked about praying for a backyard and that was one of the goals. And we kept doing that and kept doing that, really thinking this is never going to happen. And then we get the seven acres. Like Brady not only has a big backyard, he has a huge front yard, you know? Um, yard everywhere. But it's that, mo- it's that big moment of the Lord providing or revealing something to you that's tied to, you know, for me, Matthew 7 is what came to mind. The like ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. And that can go through. I mean, that whole passage is amazing. But I'm literally, this is one right now I'm just creating like a, a new personal promise that I can see how the Lord provided. I can see where it's reflected in scripture. And because of that experience, it's a fused promise I can look back on and be like, no, no, no. God cares about what we want. God cares Mm -hmm. about what my, at the time, four-year-old wanted, even though there was no shot in a million years that was going to happen, but the Lord still provided. So yeah, I would just say that's maybe just a, like in the moment, how to develop one. Yeah. If I did it wrong, let me know. Yeah. But that feels <laughs> no, I, I think when we're going through the process, it can some in some ways feel a little artificial. Like, okay, I'm yeah. just supposed to sit down and think of these. Like, yeah. shouldn't I experience them again or live them? And and I, I don't. I think we can we can work too hard to try to find some magic moment. Yeah. Whereas I was saying, I've encouraged group members in this process, like just get alone with a journal and mm-hmm. and with the Lord and. Just say, God, would, would you bring to mind times in my life that I've experienced you? And if yeah. a memory pops in your mind, there's probably a part of you that will dismiss it. Oh, that was no big deal. I mean, just sit with it for a moment and right. think through it. And you might realize like, oh, I really remember feeling God's closeness. Mm-hmm. And, and in those moments then, what you'll need to do is maybe some translation work that you've never done. Because what, what we do tend to remember if we had an encounter with God is what, what God said in terms of... Um, I love you. I'm here for you. I've you, know, you used the words Heather. I've got you. Mm. Um, I'll make a way. And and those are great things to remember. But the translation I'm talking about is then to personalize it. That if God says I've got you, how does this speak to my value as a human being? 
that the God of the universe is holding me in his hands yeah. or um, that, that the God of the universe finds me lovable. And so not just saying God, you know, God saying, I love you, oh, that's awesome. But if I translate it to say, I am lovable mm-hmm. to the God of the universe, now that becomes a statement of I, yeah. my identity, identity, my value yep. and my worth. And yep. so yep. that's kind of the process I encourage is like, sit and try to process those moments and then do some translation work of what does this say about me? Mm-hmm. And then as we've been bringing up, look for how does this attach to God's eternal word? What mm-hmm. what scripture verse then comes alive in a new way? Because when I think of that verse in God's word, I think of an encounter, an experience I've had with it. Um, yeah. And the other thing you guys are mentioning that I would kind of highlight that I think is really valuable is to think through the highs and lows of your life and just say, where in them did I encounter God? Because often yeah. in a really high moment, like a wedding, a celebration, there are points we felt like, oh, it's just like God saying, this is my kingdom, or this mm-hmm. is what I made you for. Like, yeah. oh, I, I could remember that. And, and in the low moments too, it's, it's interesting how you know, the joy and pain go together of those low moments <laughs> yeah. can be the seed of our shame, of the false messages, but they can also be the pockets where we, we heard a truth from God. Yeah. And some of it is, which one will we meditate on? Because if we don't look to remember what God spoke to us, our subconscious, like I was saying earlier, will tend to keep rehearsing the lie that we heard and tell us, you know, you're always going to be rejected, so protect yourself, don't ever get rejected again, and that'll yeah. just keep happening. Yeah. But if we remember another side of that, no, and then I remember there was this time I was praying, and I was just so broken by the situation, yeah. and God revealed that he was at work. And I can remember that piece and just keep coming back to it. Um, that That's how those promises get developed. So that was my encouragement is if, if nothing's coming to mind as you're going through this process, just start to think through what are the highs mm-hmm. I've been through and the lows and where in them might I have had some of these uh, experiences with God that I just haven't named that way yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so what does it look like practically to use a personal promise? And we've talked a lot about what it is, how we develop it, but when we actually put it into action. So like, for instance, let's say we're going through the day and we get triggered by something and maybe that's the trigger that, you know, for an addict pushes us down the faster scale and we want to go toward relapse or for a betrayed spouse and we want to get hypervigilant. So how would a personal promise apply? Like, how do we use it in that moment? So um, it was probably a few years ago when um, Ashley and I were talking about this idea and, and just using personal promises in our recovery and healing. And she has carried a little card for years, has a little card that has her personal promises on them because then you just have it with you. And so, and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I want a little card. <laughs> and so I made one. And, and this is always in my wallet because sometimes I think that the enemy is going to be strategic and usually going to hit us wherever he can. And it's often not when we're at home and we have our Bible and our journal there and we right. can be more proactive. But like for me, I can't even count the times where I've been at the doctor office and I get so triggered and mm-hmm. I'm beyond. And, and even though I have this list of personal promises I don't know what it is about our human nature, but my initial thought is always that I can't trust God in this because this is just too big and God can't do this. And, you know, and, but if I have this and I know that it's there and I know exactly where it is, then I can immediately grab it and I can go through these five or six personal promises and I can recall the experience that I had with God and where he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. You know, it's those kind of things that even in no matter what we're going through, 
that God has said, this is how I see you, that you're worthy, Mm -hmm. that I love you, that you're not broken, that I've empowered you to spread a different type of message to people who need to hear it. And so that's what I recall. And yeah. and it usually is in times like that. And it and it is practical. It's it's very helpful mm-hmm. in the midst of whatever it is that you're going through, I think. Yep. And what you're describing there is what's so common for us when we are being triggered, we're being tempted, we're being pulled into that um old deceitful way of thinking and seeing ourselves, is we're we're often going, we call it going limbic, that our our thinking brain is shutting down. Our survival brain is taking over. We're we're being moved maybe into fight, flight, or freeze mode. And in that in that zone, it can be hard to think straight. And mm. and we might feel like I can't remember anything, any truth. Just all I can see is this hurt or the yeah. anger or the pain or whatever we're we're facing, the desire to do something bad or make a wrong choice. And having a place we can go to reliably quickly that it's it's written down, it's spelled out for us. It's a reminder. You know, I I've no, I've had people in group and on this podcast that it's a tattoo that's on their arm. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's visible. It's close at hand. Like, no, okay, this is who I am. This is a reality. I'm going to remember it. Because if we're yeah. only relying on like our conscious memory, in those moments where we're triggered, it it may not be there. Um, and so I, I love that. The card, the ways that we can write it down, it's on our phone somewhere. Just easily accessible, I think is really important. Uh, the other thing that comes to mind that I've tried to practice is, I, you know, when you do the faster scale a lot, you start to become more aware of when you're hitting the lower levels of, man, I'm into speeding up and I'm getting ticked off and I'm getting exhausted. It's trying to take even five minutes to pause and, and ask, this could happen midday, like, okay, I'm feeling something, what's going on? Yeah. And And I will often come back to like, for me, part of my trauma story is feeling like my voice didn't matter. I was one of three kids, one of four kids. I was a, the, the first middle child. Uh, and we were all within four years of each other. So very kind of busy, chaotic home. And I, I can look back into those scenarios and see that early on, I learned through trauma that the only way I got noticed is if I performed well, uh, and got praise or if I performed bad and got in trouble, that's what got me attention. And so out of that story in my past has still come this performance need of, I I need to perform well. So people notice me. And if I'm not feeling noticed, it must be because I'm worthless and my voice doesn't matter. And a lot of times when I've, you know, in my current life had a rough day where I just realize I'm spinning lower on the faster scale, if I stop and ask, okay, what what am I feeling? What will come is, oh, I'm, I'm feeling like my voice doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling like I don't matter. I'm mm-hmm. feeling like I didn't perform well enough to get noticed. Okay, then then stopping and saying, what's the truth? What what do I know about what God has said? And yeah. and I think of a couple of encounters in my life where in in some situations where I was using my gifts or getting to speak, um, and and just hearing God's voice of affirmation and like this is what I made you to do. Um, and, and there's some very experiential things I can bring to mind there. That's like, oh, okay, God, that's that's how you've made me. And that doesn't mean in every situation all the time I'll feel it perfectly, but I'm gonna believe your truth. Mm-hmm. about who you've made me to be and and choose to believe that mm-hmm. over this lie that's tempting me to believe that. And, and to me, that is a part of what we mean when we say we have faith, that I'm choosing to believe what God has said is more true than this lie that in the moment can feel really, really true because mm-hmm. of how it's connected to those emotions and those traumas in my life. So choosing to believe in that moment uh, the truth that I've been rehearsing over and over, and that's why rehearsing it regularly in yeah. those moments then right. becomes valuable. Yeah, 
Because if that's the first time I've thought about it in months and months, it's probably not going to be as helpful as if that's a, a, a personal promise that I'm reflecting on regularly. Yeah. Yeah, and it is something that we, I mean, I've heard Dr. Ted talk about it. It's something that he does daily before his feet hit the ground. He's doing mm -hmm. his personal promises. And sometimes that's easy to just be like, all right, Dr. Ted, we know you're this recovery you know, guru. We get it. Um, but it is something we can do. It's something that rhythmically, habitually, we can put into our life. And I, I just know, you know, as you were saying, Nick, the performance thing is also something for me. And I vividly remember my first son being born and within the first 30 seconds of his life all he's done is cry and poop all over amy's chest and in that moment as i'm like crying because oh my gosh i'm a dad the lord said how you feel about him is exactly how i feel about you mm -hmm. you've oh, you have done nothing significant that has earned my love it's just there you have it and so for me when i'm feeling to answer this question when i'm feeling triggered or feel like i'm less valuable um like my needs don't matter that's the big you know you talk about like feeling like you want that attention or that praise from other people for me it's the sense of people don't care what i want and when i get to that point that's the most powerful one because it's like no 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 remember who you are remember it has nothing to do like i've got you i love you i care about you regardless of what you've done you know whether you're like naked sitting down pooping everywhere i still love you no matter what you know what i mean and it's a, it's a funny one but also it's just those big moments in life tend to reinforce those too. And that's been my experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do we ever get to develop a new personal promise um, or, or do we just always stick with ones that we've had? Uh, and are there situations where we might think of like retiring or moving on oh. from one of like, well, that's not really one I reflect on anymore. What are your thoughts on that, Heather? So I don't think that I've ever gotten to a point where I would retire any of the Just personal hang its promises in the rafters right and only <laughs> even though it's in every situation i'm not going to use all of them and yeah. there are some that i tend to draw on more often than the other ones but i do think that um that we can create new ones and um i remember it was probably in 2017 that we had a women's conference a pure desire women's conference and it was the last morning. It was the Sunday morning. It's the last session, and and Diane is speaking, and there's music play, playing, and we're just supposed to be sitting quietly and with our eyes closed and talking with the Lord. And I think that this is the only time that I've ever had experienced any kind of a vision, you know, mm -hmm. like any where God showed me something instead of said something to me. Huh. And um, only time ever. And, and because my brain just does this, it saw it kind of in film shots. Okay, so the first film shot showed, um, showed Jesus. You know, the, imagine the picture of Jesus that you always see everywhere, you know, just Jesus. And he's kind of standing in this field and he has his hand out like this. That's the first frame. Mm. And then the second frame, and I remember even in that moment feeling excited you know that this was just a wonderful picture and the next one showed because his hand is out it showed my hand in his hand and even my crippled hand mm. in his hand that was the second phrase mm. frame of this mm -hmm. vision and the third one is that i step into step into the image and i have a blindfold on and and it's even like my curly hair and which was very um disturbing yeah, to me. So sure. in this moment, yeah. I go from feeling this just immense joy to um to 
this kind of disturbing yeah. image oh, that crap. I know that my, I'm going? wearing a blindfold. Yeah. yeah. And being blindfolded is a trigger for me. Mm. And so um, anyway, then after this time is over at this women's thing and we're kind of in this group and the ladies are like, um, oh, so what did you experience? And I'm like, nothing I'm going to share. You know, this <laughs> is like, I don't even know what to do oh, with boy. this and yeah. let alone say it out loud. Yeah. And so it really was several months where I kind of wrote it down in a journal and then just forgot about it. And then the Lord would bring it to mind and then I wouldn't do anything with it. And then probably about eight months later, I was listening to a podcast and the person speaking um, brought up Isaiah forty two sixteen that says, I will lead the blind by ways they don't know. Mm-hmm. And I'll lead them, I'll guide them into unfamiliar territory. And that was another time where I just... It, it broke me. Totally. It was God saying to me, yeah. do you trust me? Mm. Do you trust me with everything? Will you follow yeah. me and trust me no matter where, even if you don't know where I'm leading you, will you just trust that I know what's best for you? Because I think that that's probably, I mean, I would love to say that I always trust the Lord. Absolutely. But the reality of that is that I don't, you know, my humanness sometimes interferes with me being able to just blindly mm-hmm. trust God. Yeah. And then, but I think that it's through those kind of encounters that I can remember that God's saying, do you trust me? Yeah. Do you trust me to lead you in a place that you have no idea where I'm taking you, but you're going to trust me that I love you and I have the best for you. Mm-hmm. So that is probably my most recent yeah. one. But again, it goes on my card huh. so that then, mm-hmm. you know, so that I have that memory when, when life feels uncertain or unstable, or I'm not quite sure what next year is going to look like, then God says, do you trust me? Do you trust me to guide you, even if you're blind to what I'm going to show you? Yeah. And I think it's, honestly, I think it's foolish to think that you won't develop more because you're going to have more experiences with the Lord. You're going to have more experiences with his people. Um, You know, like I just recently, um, we had some scary stuff go down um, in a group I'm a part of at church. And I know that I got to watch our group step up in some big ways and be like physically be the hands and feet of Jesus. Mm. And like, I'm pretty sure that's going to be a personal promise for a couple people involved. Like no question, because it's a difficulty in life for this big moment that gets reinforced, you know, by the truth that you know, and those are going to continue to happen because that's, God doesn't always work that way. It'd be nice if it was all these like big, you know, like, uh, like that, like for you, a cinematic moment where yes. it's just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm going to write a book about this kind of thing. But like, he does continue to work in mm-hmm. you. He continues to work in small things. You know, I've, I've had conversations with my, with my two sons and promises or reminders of God's promises to me will come from even those mm-hmm. where it's just like, well, 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 hold on. I wasn't ready for this. Like <laughs> I should be in my Bible or journaling or praying or, you know, hearing a sermon or whatever. And so I think it's foolish to think that they won't continue. Um, but I like what you said too, had that it's not that you'll ever retire them. It's just, you know, you'll have all these cards out in front of you, you know, remembering all these promises and some just seasonally will be, you know, more apparent and more, mm-hmm. um, applicable, but then others might not, but seasons change in life. So you may come back to those old ones yeah. anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We know God is speaking. God is always speaking. And so mm-hmm. he may speak new things to us and mm-hmm. we want to be attentive to that. I, yeah. I think what we're looking for, and even you know, in the way we're sharing stories like what you just shared, Heather, it's not just that you remember Isaiah 42. You've connected it to an emotional encounter that you can remember time, sight, sound, place, 
that give it meaning and depth, not just words on a page. Now, mm-hmm. I, I think words are great too. If, like for right, right now, for me, the the name of God, El Roy, the God who sees or God takes notice of me, mm. is a very deeply emotional name of God that for mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons in this season of life is really, really important to me, where yeah. other times it, it hasn't been. And yeah. and I think that's what I would say about it. Your your season of life will create needs for different um words or promises mm-hmm. to be more personal to you. And you, you, I think sometimes can even see it coming down the road as you enter into things of knowing, man, I will be tempted to believe in this situation that I'm not good enough. And so what am I going to need to to call to mind about what God has said about my value, worth, and identity? What what story do I need to keep front and center as I walk through this difficult thing or as I go into this season of parenting, yeah. uh, whatever it is, that's what I would look at. It's not just necessarily um, new ones or getting rid of old ones, but more saying in this season that I'm in, what are the lies I'm tempted to believe or the challenges I'm facing and where in my walk with God have I encountered things that speak his truth in a way that I'm I'm personally calling to mind. So uh, that's that's how, kind of how I mm-hmm. think about it is more by seasons and not just what's old or new. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's kind of round this conversation out with pro tips. Basically, so in our experience of being through the healing process, what are things that we found to be successful with personal promises, tips, thoughts on how to do it, encouragements? What would we offer to people who are listening? I, for me, what works best is having something that's visual because, and whether that is my card that I carry, I also have index cards that are places like taped to a mirror or something. Um, because I think for me personally, that that visual being able to see it is really helpful. Mm. And I also think that um, writing things down, like if I have, because sometimes I can't always just connect things right away, especially if I'm having going through a new season or something, but being willing to write down how I'm feeling about something and then, and not discounting it because I'm very good at saying, I'm not feeling that, you know, but just writing down what I'm feeling and being able to sit and process that and even give myself time. Like I'm going to do this for a week and see what God Mm -hmm. tells me, you know, just those kind of things I think is, is really helpful. Um, and not to rush the process because God knows what we need when we need it, even if we think we need something different, you know? And so those are a couple of things that I would recommend. Yeah, I, I love that idea of something visual. I know when Dr. Ted would teach on this, he'd always have a picture of a lion that was in, it was yeah. even in the manuals and it's like, it was connected to his story. And I think if we have those visual images that are associated with it, that's that's super important. Uh, a couple of things I would say, like any tool, it's only as valuable as often as we use it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if, if we rarely think about these things and we don't uh, think it's helping us much, it's like, well, those two things kind of go together. If you're not really <laughs> calling them sure. to mind or- trying to meditate on these promises and truths that God has revealed to you, they're not going to help much. Mm-hmm. So, you know, use it, put it into practice. Give yourself, like you said, Heather, even a time frame of, man, I'm going to really every day for this number of days, try to spend a couple of minutes just remembering who God has said I am and what what stories go with yeah. that and, and see what kind of a difference it, it starts to make. Uh, the other piece of advice I'd give as you walk into this um, because of our trauma stories, because the voice of shame has often had a big place in our story, these promises usually to some degree will feel too good to be true mm-hmm. or they'll feel they'll feel too good for us. We yeah. will feel unworthy of them. Um, of God's, you know, I 
four of my personal promises create the word air, that I'm an heir of Christ, H-E-I-R, and words of being a healer, an encourager, an influencer, and a redeemer. And mm. some of those like healer, I mean, who am I to think of myself as a healer for God or a redeemer of lost people? And and that is, I think, just evident of some of that voice of shame that's mm. like, you know, you're not good enough, you never will be, people don't care, your voice is worthless. Yeah. Mm. Um, and and when God speaks his truth, if a part of us re- wants to reject it, because like, ah, oh, that, that can't be true of me, that is actually, I think, an indication that you're hearing some truth. And yeah. so if, if you feel some of your personal promises is God telling you that you're a mighty warrior for him, and you feel right now like you're just this little mouse, like, well, that that very well could be God's truth because it's in it's in direct contradiction to what you're tempted to believe, mm-hmm. and you might not feel like you're a mighty warrior right now, mm-hmm. but but I think we need to embrace that. Or we might feel like God says, "I'm going to use you to impact the nations," and we're like, "Really? I mean, I, all I do is you know this, that, or the other thing." Yeah. Like, oh, just because it feels too good to be true or too big for you, don't dismiss it and assume uh, that that's not God, because again, it. It's very much the voice of shame that makes us feel that way. So be open to a word, um, a message, a promise that feels really big. Uh, and and if, if it's calling us to do something, of course, take that to wise friends and people in your life. I mean, if, if the voice of God says, I'm going to you know, use you to change the world, I want you to sell everything and go be an evangelist. Like check in with some people first, because <laughs> uh, it could be it could be God's promise, or yeah. you know, it, it could it could be something else. So if, if there are things like that that you're going to take some drastic action, mm-hmm. always check in with other people first. But yeah. I hope you hear the point I'm making is God's promises to us usually feel too good to be true, and to me that's part of the indication that we're starting to stumble on something yeah. that we really need to pay attention to. That's good. Something my wife and I have been talking about um, is in the Old Testament. Um, predominantly you see that after this big experience, people build an altar and they build, you know, to kind of what you were talking about, had this visual representation of God's provision or God coming in the clutch or, you know, like I just think about all of these and and I've been going through um, the Old Testament at a pretty slow pace with a group of guys. And so I, I think that that's, I've just been there. I've been in the Torah where a lot of this is happening. And we've been thinking about doing that as well. And, you know, we're not going to like stack rocks in the center of our, you know, like living room and then we'll have to walk around it. Well, watch out for the altar. But we are thinking through ways like we got out of debt um, early 2020 and that was a huge journey for us. And there was a picture that we had and we're thinking about ways to creatively put that on our wall somewhere that's very visual that when we walk into that room, it's a reminder of look how God provided, look how God um, has not not only provided, but protected for us and has moved us even more, has provided even more than what we thought. And so I think that finding ways to do that um, too, like even thinking about the space that you spend a lot of time in, your office, your home, wherever it may be, um, and find ways to visually do that, to reinforce the truths um, and the reality that God has provided for you or done things. So I don't know, it's just an interesting thing. I feel those are one of those things like in the Old Testament, it's like, well, should we still do that today? I don't really know, but um, we're both gonna, we're both on board. So we're going to do the altar thing. Okay. So this, and I, I appreciate, um, the emotion today in this episode. I think it's easy, um, to just talk about a thing because we know about it, but I appreciate, um, Heather, I know you're not the most overtly emotional person, but just being able to enter that space. I appreciate that. 
a lot. Um, and yeah, I think that this tool is something that we can continue to get better at and develop mm-hmm. and use. And I love what you said, Nick, that this is a tool that will work if we use it. And mm-hmm. so that's our, our biggest encouragement is that as you develop these, don't just then put them on the shelf. Make sure that you're using them, print them out on a card, put them on the, the wall somewhere, do something with them because that's going to help you on your journey. So, Heath, thanks for the conversation today. Be with us. Yeah, thank you. And wherever you're at on your journey, Pure Desire is here to help you take back your life from unwanted sexual behavior and betrayal trauma. If you or someone you know needs recovery and healing, go to puredesire.org and begin the journey today. If you like this episode or are a fan of the podcast, please share it with others and make sure to check out the full episode up on YouTube as well. And lastly, never stop being healthy.